From the mouth breathers to the idiots, from TV to print, this is the Entitled Podcast Network, and this is Entitled Weekend. And welcome back to Entitled Weekend. And we're here with Bill and we've got Mike Sullivan in the house from Tuck Rule Takes. And guys, uh, <laughs> last week we had a preseason game and against the Titans. And well, not last week, it was a couple of days ago. But in that preseason game, there were a couple of things that I noticed, first of all. Uh, firstly, uh, Bailey Zappi, um, not very good. Uh, and it's probably been a uh, a trend throughout this preseason with him. So, but I guess we're not the only ones who noticed that too. But really, when the media people decide to hone in on this, it's not because Bailey Zappi is bad. It's the whole team is bad. And so I want to start off with this uh, take from... Obviously, we're going to be dealing with NBC Takes Boston a lot on this podcast. Um, first one, this this one is, was immediately after the game. And listen to how, just, just listen to this. Here we go. It's not had a good summer. I would say it's been an overall a C-minus performance for him, simply in performance, and D-minus in my estimation relative to what I expected. We can get into the reasons for it, whether he's held hostage by the protection, but to me, I think the Patriots really have to have some concerns about their backup quarterback position. Additionally, when you look at the totality of their preseason, Phil, they scored five touchdowns, three against Green Bay. They scored one touchdown at the beginning in the, uh, excuse me, at the end of the first preseason game, one early on here. They had one outstanding day of joint practices at Green Bay and one bad one. They haven't cobbled together a great amount of consistency. Two real concerns for me, both on the offensive side of the ball. One is Bailey Zappi and the ball security that he exhibited tonight. Three fumbles. I know one of those, it felt like, you know, maybe it's from a blindside sort of situation, but I thought two of the fumbles, you've got to have much better ball security if you're going to be. Yeah, so what did you think about that? Uh, Michael, I'll, I'll let you go first about Bailey Zappi and how this, how the backups how the backup quarterback means that the entire season season is going to be in ruin. I just, I almost feel like I got to be like Allen Iverson being like, we're talking about practice. We're talking about a backup quarterback with, with a backup offensive line. Like I understand if you want to be concerned about Zappy, which I mean, concerned about a, a backup quarterback. I don't even know what that amounts to, but like, why, why, why all of a sudden is it doom and gloom? I just don't get it. And aren't these the same people who were saying Zappi should start over Mac Jones last year? Like, I don't, I just don't understand it. I don't get why it's doom and gloom because there's this major concern over, over your backup quarterback that may or may not even see the field. Like why, why is the offense now, like you said, the offense now is completely, totally in flux now because Zappi got sacked a few times and fumbled a couple of times. Like, he shouldn't even see the field. So it should just be a moot point, right? Like I, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills watching these people talk about the Pats. I don't get it. 
You're, you're absolutely right. It's really a situation where they're finding something to complain about because they're a little bit upset that Bill Belichick didn't put more Mac Jones out on the field and more of the starting offense out on the field. And so they're getting really nitpicky about, oh, you should really be concerned about ba- Bailey Zappi. I'll be concerned about Bailey Zappi if Mac Jones goes down and gets injured. I'll be really concerned about M- Bailey Zappi and the Patriots on whole if Mac Jones goes down this season. Um, it's just one of these things where they are grasping for that thing to be upset about and to doom and gloom on. Yeah. Bailey Zappi has been bad this preseason. Let's call it what it is. Like, I'm not saying he's a bad player. He's had a bad month. He's, he has not played well. Those three fumbles say what you will about, you know, the offensive line in front of him. The offensive line isn't holding on to the ball for him. Those three fumbles are abysmal. Some of his decision-making has been very poor. One of the sacks, he ran back into the pressure as opposed to running out of the pressure. That Those are mistakes that should have been worked out as a rookie, and especially with the amount of playing time he had. So I'm like, am I concerned about Bailey Zappi as a player? Sure. Am I concerned about what Bailey Zappi the player means for the success of the 2023-24 New England Patriots? No because he shouldn't see the field and it really dismisses some of the good things you see during the preseason. It dismisses some of the strengths that you did see starting to develop there. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's just the increased negativity of the media really grasping at those straws. Um, so Vinny, I saw you joined us. Vinny Jace joined us here. Um, what were your thoughts on Curran's feedback there? Um, Shaq played the clip a minute ago, but it was um, Curran and the crew over at NBC takes Boston saying that Zappy was basically doom and gloom for the Patriots this year. And that, you know, they, that we should all be exceptionally concerned about the backup quarterback position. Oh, you're on mute, my friend. I wanted to say thank you for giving me the refresher because I was a little late. So thank you very much. Um, so there's like another current clip where he's also like talking about, I believe on the Adam Jones show about um, how like Belichick not putting his foot on the gas pedal for the last preseason game is like, he's not having any idea what he's doing and he, there's no urgency and that's making everybody like worse in the long run. And I it just strikes me as there, there's you don't really know until there's games played how the preseason is going to really affect anything. And we're not going to really care about the preseason in two weeks. We're going to say, you know, uh, no one's going to say, oh, I knew this team was bad coming into the preseason. The training camps have been very optimistic. And that's not just because you're comparing them to last year where you didn't really have a lot to hang your hat on after training camp. You've had very... You know, Max seems happier. Everybody seems happier. And just because Bailey Zappi playing with the second string, third string guys isn't really uh, isn't really like wetting anybody's appetite doesn't really mean anything. It's to probably drive more people to Mac, if anything. Like this is the difference between a starter and a backup. But because if Bailey was any good, then I guarantee you Tom Curran would have been saying something like, well, Maybe we should get, maybe Mac is on thin ice, you know, it, it's whatever is, how do I say this? It's, it's whatever the results are. Yeah. Vinny, you it, cut out there at the negative end. spin on it. 
you know, make up a result would have said, well, isn't it interesting that he took, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, can you hear me now? You're good. Yep, you're good. Keep going. So, okay. If Bailey Zappi had a wonderful preseason, I think Tom Kern and the Greg Bedards of the world would have said, that's his name, right? Or is it Boutet? I'm sorry. Said, uh, that Bailey Zappi got more snaps with him than Mac. Oh, wouldn't you want your starting quarterback to develop a rapport with this? wide receiver you highly regard. Maybe Belichick's laying the groundworks for a success in plan. It would have been whatever they wanted. It, it wouldn't have mattered. They So I don't really care. Mac's going to be the quarterback when we come to Philadelphia. And no one's going to chant. I don't. It, it, he. It, no one's going to care about preseason in about two weeks. I'm sorry if that's not a great answer. Uh, but, uh, you know. That's, no, I, I, I think you're right. And I think it's that spin of everything being a negative take if zappy was lighting the world on fire and they weren't playing mac you'd be hearing about oh is this an audition and so i'm, I'm right there with you um shack so we've done the round table here but what are your thoughts on the comments from current and nbc takes boston in regards to like zappy and sort of doom and gloom around the preseason it's it's almost it's almost like, like you said earlier, Bill, it's like they're grasping at any type of negative straw they want to. And I don't know why they would, because they're gonna, people are going to listen to them anyway. But this actually segues into the next thing. Um, I don't like to give this person any attention because, you know, if you give them any attention, I mean, this guy's so skinny, you could just, you know, give give you just just blow on him and he'll blow away, you know, like one of those, like one of those straw straw men. But um, Adam Jones from WEI, uh, Matt Jones, he's doing his Monday, I think the Monday night Patriots Monday thing or whatever they have, which is so stupid and ridiculous. I don't know why they do that. But uh, Adam Jones is on there and Matt Jones just had an unbelievable comeback. And I, I wish more Patriots can do this type of thing to these people because this is exactly what they deserve. On Saturday, and this is, you know, my expert eye, uh, it looked like you had more freedom at the line of scrimmage, you know, opportunities to kill plays, opportunities to make adjustments. Is that, would you say that it's an accurate assessment? Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm not sure. Have you, like, played football? No, I, no, trust me, trust me, no. So I'm, I'm going like, off, off the broadcast and just yeah. compared to how it looked last year yeah, compared to this year. Yeah, that's a good, like, analysis of it because there I sound is, like a quarterback is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. NFL <laughs> <laughs> no, but like you do like you can see that right when you're up there. That's something that's cool about the system that's been here for so long. It's it's all about the quarterback and getting us into the right play. <laughs> I just love how condescending Mac is when he says like I sound like a quarterback, right? Right, Mac? Right? Don't I sound like a quarterback? He's like, uh yeah. <laughs> It's yeah, it, it's a lovely moment because what it really does is it highlights how Mac and the entire Patriots team are focusing in on this season and what they are, how, what their response is to the media in general. Um, you know, I, it goes back to Stink Stank Stunk and Kendrick Bourne's comments in relation to that that happened during the last pod. Um, and it's, you know, they the, the media has to sit there and take their lumps when they get that. And Mac will play it off, you know, to an extent to be coy about it. But what he does is he goes into that explanation and says, 
the system that has been here for so many years. It's not the system that was installed by Bill O'Brien, which is what Adam Jones is trying to get at. So basically he says, have you played this sport? And then tells him he's wrong, but he does it in a, you know, charming way that sort of, you know, disarms people a little bit, but it's no, you are wrong and you've never played this sport. You don't know what you're talking about. This has been in place since 2001 or, you know, whenever they, they might've made a shift, you know, as offensive rules changed and perhaps that's something more McDaniels installed, um, you know, in, in the later, in the later aughts but it's been here for a long time and it's not going anywhere but like mac jones kendrick Bourne, this team in general and then uh, Devonte parker on twitter followed up kendrick Bourne's comments so this especially this offense but this team on whole is clapping back at the media a little bit more than we've seen in previous years and i think it's that they the anger, like the the coverage has gotten worse. And so the anger has built over time. Um, you know, it's, it, it got terrible around the time that, you know, Brady left, they were doom and gloom. And then the COVID Cam Newton year, and then they make the playoffs. And yet somehow that's still a disastrous season. So it, like, they're just sick of the really terrible coverage of the team and the personal attacks that it comes down to. I mean, Ben Volan has made personal attacks at Mac Jones, as have several others. The stink, stank, stunk is Giardi making personal shots at the talent in the wide receiver room. It's the the attacks have gotten personal, and it's a bridge too far. When it's, I don't feel like this room can, you know, I don't feel like this room has enough, you know, to get there. That that's a different commentary. But when you're saying that that the wide receivers in that room are stink, stank, and stunk, you're going too far. When you're questioning somebody's a bit like toughness, you're going too far. You're spindly Adam Jones who resembles the fish from SpongeBob with paper skin and glass bones. And you're the one questioning people's toughness or you're the one questioning people's ability to play a sport that would break you in half a second. There's a difference between criticizing a team and criticizing an individual. And I think what has happened in large part is that we've crossed that bridge with the media where they have gone much too far on the personal end. Yeah. I mean that, and you can, you can hear it because Adam Jones, he thinks, and you can tell because he's retweeted everybody who has criticized him over this clip, myself included, he's sitting there. He thinks that Mac Jones was giving him some sort of props like, Oh, you know, good point. Like, you know, that you, you understood that. But if you listen to it, like we all just did, Adam Jones, to start his little thing, he says, in my expert uh, opinion, blah, blah, blah. And then right when Mac Jones goes to respond, he goes, wait, I'm not sure. Have you played football before? He's asking to clarify because he doesn't know who you are. He shouldn't know who you are because you mean nothing in the grand scheme of his life. Exactly. So I think we all like we all love this because we see the comment for what it is, but Adam Jones, because then Mac Jones, like you said, Mac Jones goes, Oh, well, you know, that's, that's an astute observation, you know, good point, you know, X, Y, and Z. And it's like, he's not saying you're smart in some way. He's kind of saying it in jest. That's why he's like, wait, have you, have you played football? Because you said your expert opinion, I don't know who you are. It doesn't really seem like you know what you're okay here. Let me tell you exactly what's going on. But again, it's just, I mean, like, like we all heard the stink, stink, stunk thing, like you just brought up. That was 
that was crazy to me because you're not even having any sort of insight on the players. You're just going right at them saying, oh yeah, they got stink, stink, stunk out there. Even though Devante Parker, I think what well, we're all pretty tuned into the, the, the Twitter X streets here. I think we see Devante Parker is making great catches almost daily uh, in the, in training camp. you got Kendrick Bourne showing up. Notice how no one talks about Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry has been having a great uh, training camp. Mike Gusecki, people somewhat talk about him, but they kind of like pass on from it because it's not positive. You can't spin anything positive for some reason, even though like you're still going to get your views and your clicks. So why not actually report on the team instead of trying to do all these clickbait things like Bolin, Bedard, all of them, the whole lot of them. It's just, they, they, it's getting to the point where they really don't serve, don't serve any purpose other than just to just to kind of fill the void from one game to the next. It's like, okay, cool. Let's see what the, let's see what the other side is talking about. Let's see how crazy they can spin anything, you know, like, like if, if the Patriots win a game, it's, oh yeah, did the Patriots win or did team X lose the game? It's like, what, what are we even doing here anymore? There's not even any sort of, like I, like I said, there's no insight on the team. It's just, let me say the most outlandish things to try to get clicks and views and listens and all that. And it's just, I have no use for him anymore. No use. So I don't know. I don't, I don't understand what, what, what their thought process is in this year. If it's going to keep going, how it's gone, this training camp, this year is going to be insufferable with the local media. It's going to be horrible. Am I up? Yeah, go ahead, Vinny. Oh, sorry. I didn't want to step on anybody. That's why I was asking. I'm sorry. Um, well, it, it, it's gotten worse ever since Brady left. And I think that's not just because, oh, we're not going to win Super Bowls anymore. I think it's gotten worse because, well, I don't remember wide receivers, offensive linemen, linebackers, quarterbacks, everybody else kind of being under the microscope. Because I think Brady was the sub and Belichick were the subject of most of the ire. Um, you know, the, the immortal tweets of that's on Brady or, oh, Gronk should have caught that. He lost a step. Um, you guys can still hear me? Yep. Sorry about that. So, like, now all the attention is on the Devontae Parkers and the Kendrick Bournes and the Hunter Henrys of the world. And I'm sure it's not fun to be criticized for, uh, uh, on a personal level. And... You know, I I, read, I I could be wrong, uh, but I saw a tweet where it's like somebody said, you know, Adam Jones was interviewing Mac Jones wearing a Bailey Zappi jersey. And I'm saying like, yeah, that sounds like edgelord stuff. Sounds like you would want to do that. I, everyone's so patronizing and it's not just you're struggling or, you know, hey, I'm noticing, you know, you're looking a little better. But, you know, Gasecki has a dislocated shoulder. You know, are you worried about? How you, how you gonna develop a rapport with them in the regular season? It's never anything like that. It's never a uh, a, 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 a what's the word a, a constructive when when you could be constructively critis, critis, uh, you know uh, constructive in your criticism of the team. Good, good job, idiot. <laughs> but uh, but it, they don't want to do that. They want to insult their manhood essentially. And I don't really like that very much. I don't like the Adam Jones hasn't done anything in his whole life that required as much effort as fucking even the guy we're making fun of right now, Bailey Zappi. And I, I, I don't, I don't get it. Um, 
But at the end of the day, like you kind of just have to take it and say, this is what everybody wants. This is what the media people want. They run to it. You know, otherwise nobody would make it. it, it, it this this little round table here, it, it's good for people like us to have because, you know, we're not alone, but it sometimes feels like we're in the minority. It's like, you know, like, aren't we supposed to have fun rooting for a team? Why are we always racing for, uh, for the end? Why are we like ritually like, praying for it you know what's so good about hating ourselves i'm sorry that i'm going off on a tangent but um <laughs> one little thing uh i guess they he did say something like mac is audibling more in the preseason and i do remember from last year matt castle said belichick doesn't have you audible in the preseason because he wants you to uh figure it wants you to learn to improvise and he probably would want to save some you know sifts and some line changes or whatever uh for the regular season is that something you guys also noticed or is adam jones talking out of his ass i mean i think adam jones is always talking out of his ass but if there's been any more audibling that's occurred my guess is that it's protection oriented and not play oriented and they're keeping the play intact but it's a, an audible of where the protection is going to go and he's calling it because they have a rookie center um in the young, it's jake andrews i believe um in there and so he might not be ready to call those protections yet so my guess is he's walking up to the line calling the protection and then stepping back and leaving the play intact where during the regular season, David Andrews will call the protections and Matt Jones will audible the play if they need to audible to a different play. That's my impression. Um, Belichick has been really resolute and not changing plays in the preseason. It's part of why when I talked about Zappi and I'm like, he had a bad month. I'm not saying he's a bad player. It's because he, he had a bad month. Maybe he just didn't yeah, improvise well That's on those fine. plays. Yeah. 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 He's had a bad month. Maybe he didn't improvise well. We'll see what the result is in terms of like the, the quarterback setup and everything with the roster. But yeah, I think I think it's probably Mac calling the protections to try to, you know, keep himself, you know, in a good position to be able to improvise behind a line that's addressing the right, you know, the right blocks at the right places. Yeah. Yeah. And the and thing yeah. Okay. Oh, sorry. No, sorry. Oh, uh, oh, oh no. I, I was I was just gonna mention that I think basically the same thing um that, that everybody else was saying doesn't seem like they're really audibling that much. I think probably the one thing that Adam Jones is talking about, it was that uh when um they were at the goal line and Mac audibled out into a run and it was the one touchdown that they scored, and everybody was kind of it, it was everybody was saying that that was a play that Mac Jones audibled out of into the run that's probably the one thing Adam Jones saw. And then his simple mind was like, Oh, Mac Jones is audibling all the time. And now he's getting all this stuff. Let me ask him about it. And it was like, it was probably just like one or two plays, but Adam Jones sees one thing. And then all of a sudden it's like, can't, can't really think for himself. So he's like, Oh, he audibled once. He must be doing it all the time. Let me ask. Him. So that's, that's my thought process. It, and, and like my, uh, that, I think those are both of you made wonderful points. And I, I agree entirely. Uh, in the defense of, I hate defending Adam Jones. I really do. Please don't get mad at me. It, no, you do no, see no. Everything. You're going to have to get, if you're going to defend him, you're going to have to get off this podcast. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> uh, but you have very small doses in preseason. 
So if Mac Jones is out there for, say, three, three possessions and you hear two audibles, your brain is going to think maybe maybe there's a little idea. Maybe there's a little philosophy change. Uh, so but but it is interesting, like because uh, I believe it was um, it was it was the fib. Uh, he's just said that they have this um, this scheme that they haven't changed in two decades. Am I correct? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm trying to recount what you just said. And yeah, generally, yeah, what Mac had said was that the the offense for a long time has um yes. has had the you know the quarterback it's been very quarterback centric and the quarterback has had control over the offense yes it was from like charlie weiss to mcdaniels o'brien and um and it, it, and now this is a little bit of a, a of a tiny detour so forgive me i think that is kind of indicative of what the patriots how they've been running operations where people kind of have always been clamoring for who gets hired nowadays as like the offensive guru, you know, the Mike McDaniels types. And then and to be nice, there's some successful uh, offensive gurus, Kyle Sanahan and Son McVay. But I believe like the, the reason like last year you saw where when McDaniels left and he took all the coaches with him to Las Vegas. And so all the successors that you could have had went with them to Vegas. You don't really have anyone in the room with the infrastructure institutional knowledge necessary to at least i don't know like pass muster and it, it does kind of say a lot that you know uh, for all the talk about how coaching is poor here that they all keep getting hired they all keep moving around and they all keep having high you know high levels of employment and I understand we weren't happy with like Patricia but like I keep going through like the old Rolodexes of people Belichick could have looked at and I'm thinking like I don't know if he could have gone shadow say and I don't know if he was any good I know Adam Gase is no good I I know that's very mean to say but Ryan Tannehill I didn't like what he did with Tannehill I didn't like what he did with Darnold and it's just like I'm I'm thinking like I don't know if Belichick had any options beyond I'm going to have to go in-house because I got nothing here and we're going to have to wait a year for for hopefully Bill O'Brien because Bill O'Brien made a promise to Nick Saban a year ago I and I'm not making that up I swear he said uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to leave I'm going to play out my contract and we'll figure it out and, and why would Belichick want to hurt his friend that's Nick Saban over there he doesn't want to inconvenience him I'm sorry I'm going off on this tangent but you know I thought it was I thought it was related to what we were talking about. No, it, it's perfect. And it's actually, you don't you don't know this, Vinny, but this is actually a good segue to the next thing I wanted to talk about, which was really the preseason in a whole. And I'm not sure when it started, but it seems as though preseason is now for some of these casual, well, most of these casual fans, it seems like preseason is supposed to be an, a direct indication to what's going to happen to the regu- in the regular season. Right. The offensive line, we all know the problems that it's had over the course of the preseason. But I, I everything I've seen on X is just been fretting about the offensive line, saying how terrible it is. And now um, just today, just a couple of hours ago, the Patriots um, traded uh, Pierre Strong, who admittedly has had a pretty decent preseason for Tyrone Wheatley, offensive tackle for, of the Browns, who was 
looking pretty good in the preseason. And everyone can agree, no matter if, if you if you think, you know, we're bullshitting or or not, everyone can agree that the Patriots needed offensive line help, right? I mean, I think we're all with with them on that. They get offensive line help, yes, but you know, if you're gonna do a trade, you can't you can't trade. It doesn't it, it doesn't work like that. You can't trade a million dollar house for some for a ten dollar shack. You know what I mean? You can't trade something you can't trade something lower of lower value for something of of more value especially offensive line which you know in case you all don't know it's at a premium in the NFL you know the patriots are not the only team going through offensive line issues i mean i could go down the list jets eagle i mean there 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 are plenty of teams who have the same exact problem but for some reason patriots fans can't seem to understand that preseason is for evaluation. It's not for evaluation of players. It's not evaluation of team. And I think that's where we're getting confused here. Do any any of you agree with me? Yeah, I I think it's important to just add the context of the devaluing this offseason of the running back position. And so you're looking at all of these running backs who are looking to get paid. You're looking, it's just not a premium position anymore in terms of what the what the asset is valued at. So you spun a running back that wasn't going to get a lot of action for you this year or an offensive tackle who can be a depth piece, you know, maybe develops in the more, but you're expecting them to be a depth piece. You see them as an improvement over what's on your roster currently. And that's huge. And that's part of like, you know, I, I and I, Shaq, I don't want to jump to another topic, but that's part of like what we might talk about in a minute, which is like roster construction. You know, it's you you have to go from positions of relative strength and address those. And, you know, if we're being told running backs can be found anywhere and we're being told that, like, oh, just somebody off the scrap heap. Think about the comments about Sony Michelle recently. Anyone could have done that. So now we're now we're going to lament that we traded Pierre Strong. You know, we're. We're going to lament that even Volan's comment about um, about it being a, um, you know, being a miss by the Patriots now that they're trading the player, now that they're trading Pierre Strong. It's all of a sudden that's a miss. You traded him for a you traded somebody from a position that is probably at its weakest value in the league that it's ever been for a position where the talent is at a premium. If anything, I'd say you spun depth at that position to support and enhance your depth at a position where you're currently not feeling confident in what you've got in the room. But um, it, it's very interesting to see, like, uh, there's a, a great Twitter account, uh, and you guys, uh, and he was on this pod, actually. It was his McGavin POV, and he said early... Yeah, I, McGarvin, I he's a great guy. McGarvin, he's wonderful. I love I love his account. He's a wonderful, sane Patriots fan that <laughs> uh, that is rare. That's very rare. That's very rare. But he said, I believe earlier this month, he like ev- he said something along the lines of everyone is everyone's complaining about their offensive line. And and I guess the takeaway either can be everyone is that's just a knee jerk reaction fans have, or it's the fact that this position is not there's not many guys who can play it you know i remember when people said about 
Jonathan Taylor, oh, the running backs should go on strike. Yeah, the running backs should get paid more, but for the sake of like being a worker, not in the sense of like that's what the position is valued as. But like centers are paid some change, and that's because there's not a lot of them out there. You know, there's not a lot of good uh, linemen, and and like you're suddenly like hand wringing over, you know. Oh, a Riley Reef rolled up his ankle, and then you're thinking you're doing the calculations in your head. Oh, wait. So then that means X is going to play for him. Oh, we're in a lot of trouble. And that's the story for a lot of these teams. That's the story for the Jets. The Jets don't have a good offensive line. That's the story for the Dolphins. The Dolphins are at the mercy of Tua. Tua is either going to his his issues are I can't string together two good halves of the season or I can't stay on the field and my coach doesn't want to run the ball to protect me. So I'm in a lot of trouble here. And I don't know how you get mad at Pierre strong who had a okay rookie year. He had a very good game against Arizona on Monday night. He was a good third string back and you flipped him for an asset and he was going to see, no, wasn't going to see a lot of playing time with Ezekiel Elliott and Ezekiel Elliott's going to be blocking he's going to be running pass and uh pass plays and he's going to be a red zone back there's not a lot of places for the guy to play and it's like what if injuries happen well, injuries always happen and i'm it's, it's, what are you going to do you need an offensive lineman more than you need a third you need a first string offensive lineman more than you need a third round a third string halfback and i don't see how this is a whiff it was the fourth round and you used him as an asset that's fine I, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll relinquish the floor. <laughs> no, I mean, I have, I have really nothing else to add just uh, other than the fact that it's the preseason player uh, coaches run plays. They want to be seen. Belichick said it after the first game. Uh, if the preseason was that crucial to the regular season, then the Ravens would have won the Super Bowl the last four or five years. Uh, Cause they were undefeated up until this week. Um, and then as for the trade, I mean, cool. Pierre strong was a fast fourth round you know, running back, awesome. But I'd rather have depth at the tackle position. And it's not like Stevenson, Zeke, Kevin Harris, and Ty Montgomery, J.J. Taylor. They exist too. So, you know, you, you have well, a position where you have a bunch of depth to a position where you need depth. I have It's a win all around. So I it, have nothing else. It, it's very interesting. Now, the preseason has kind of been devalued to the point because, like, Way back in the olden days, we used to have six. Now we have four. Now you kind of now you have three. Then you have the contact kind of being a a touchy subject on um, in training camp because you know we want to keep players safe. I understand. That's fine. It's fine. I get it. It, it. It's a very delicate situation to getting players to um, uh, prepared. Because I remember the first time we had the three-week preseason game, Damian Harris in week one got hit really hard, fumbled the ball, and somebody pointed out that like this is the this is kind of the drawback of contact being de-emphasized in practices because it it, do, it doesn't condition players to take hits like that or practice ball security any better, and the preseason could just be. Whatever we whatever we want to see, the quarterback competition or the competition at running back, wide receiver, offensive lineman, 
that's probably taking place behind the scenes at training camp more so than in the preseason games. You know, so the preseason games are just like, do you miss football? Are you desperate for it? Yes, then watch the watch the second and third stringers. So, you know, it's it's it, it, we wish we wish that it was easier to scout media people because you know Ben Volen, you know, of the Globe, um, barely uh, holding on to anything. He, just immediately after the trade comes out, not even not even I believe uh, ten minutes. After the trade comes out, he comes out with this unbelievably idiotic take, which is, shouldn't be a surprise to anyone who follows Ben Volen of any length. Says fourth round running backs should be relatively easy to scout and should make an immediate impact. Another draft whiff by the Patriots. And <laughs> what I love so much is that he got ratioed to hell. And <laughs> a lot of people pointing out <laughs> that. <laughs> a lot of people pointing out running backs that were taken in the fourth round over the last 10 years. Um, this account called Boor Sports posted this list that have averaged 550 plus total yards and four plus touchdowns per season in their careers. Lamar Miller, Devontae Freeman, Damian Pierce, Tony Pollard, Jamal Williams, James White, Ramondre Stevenson. Seven out of 47. And Bill Belichick drafted two of those guys. James White, Ramondre Stevenson. Ramondre Stevenson, who by all intents and purposes, maybe one of the better half of, of in the league as far as running backs. And James White, I mean, we don't have to talk about his contributions. So <laughs> it, it, it's it's unbelievable. Like the Globe, the Globe wants this because clearly they're not doing anything to change it. I mean, you have Christopher Price there who I guess, you know, he's there, but he's not, it's not like he was at WEI. You know, he was a big, big bigger presence there, I think, than he is at the Globe. But Ben Vaughn is the guy they choose to put on front street and what an embarrassment. Dullard Volan doesn't realize that he has been bamboozled by the success of the Patriots at drafting at that position. The reason he thinks it's easy to draft fourth round running backs is because the Patriots drafted two of those seven people and made it look easy for roughly a decade. And let's not forget, Damian Harris was a late third round pick. So you're talking about some consistent mid-round running back production. But if it were easy to identify fourth round running backs to be, you know, thousand yard rushers or even like 800 yard guys, they would go earlier in the draft. That's how <laughs> drafting works. Do we, If they're easy to identify and scout and go, that person would make a quote unquote immediate impact. They would get drafted sooner. Volan will Volan forever. I, I, I don't want to say I hope he dies, but I hope he dies. He's just, oh, just, I hope a lot of people die. <laughs> <laughs> I hope all of them die. Yep. I yeah, hope, he, um, listen, it is what it is. It, hey, hey, that's the part of life. I just wish it comes to you sooner. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Oh, and, no, and, and, I, I, listen, all I'm going to, I just, I just hope that Darwinism continues to take shape well speaking, that's all and speaking well, of those oh. people speaking of those people I, there's there's one more that i hope that fate happens to his name is greg Vidar, and um you know everyone's talking about Keyshawn boot he had an amazing he's had an amazing preseason i would say um the last two games especially um but according to greg Bedard, if you're hoping that he's going to be you know anything worth noting for the patriots then Greg Bedard says no. I know Booty could make the team, but can he beat out 
Tyquan Thornton. I keep trying to get Tyquan Thornton off the team, but you just told me that they need him. Yeah, they, they can beat him up. That uh, Booty can beat him up. No. No. no, I think, you know, look, is there, if there's an injury issue or something like that that keeps Thornton out longer, you know, can he get past? Yeah. But I just think that, you know, given that he was a second-round pick just last year um, and, you know, one of those guys that uh, Macro, like, trumpeted, you know, you want to get faster, you got to get fast, guys. They're not giving up on him after one injury-plagued year. If you think he can't play and you draft him in the second round and you keep him, I think that's I, I just I think, think it's, it's way too early to make that decision that he really? can't play. I, I just, you know, look, he hasn't what, been on the what, field enough. Besides his speed, yeah. there are lots of fast guys. What do you like about him? Is there, is there, are, are there instincts? No, that's about hands? it. I appreciate it. You made my night. Okay. Yeah. That's all I got to say. Yeah, no, but look, if if – I still think Thornton, if there's any battle for a quote-unquote roster spot after the first three, like Phil pointed out, it's probably Demario Douglas is number four, Thornton is number five, and Booty would be on the team as, as the, the sixth guy. And, you know, look, I've given him on Booty. I don't think he's that good. Now, you know, could his health get better a year from now? He can get – I don't see the explosion on the outside. The only thing I see, he, he reminds me of Chris Carter a little bit, which is, nice. you know, not a bad – all he does is catch – touchdown passes and, and convert third. He's a possession receiver. But if, if you're hoping that Kayshawn Booty, you look at the list of former LSU wide receivers and you think he's going to be that explosive guy for the Patriots this year, not a chance. Okay. I, I, have, I have no words. He reminds you of Chris Carter. He, he reminds you. And then, and then in the middle of that, he's like, oh, that's not a bad thing. But he has to make it a bad thing because it's he's already deep into the take. That he has to make it has to be negative because because you're comparing him to a Hall of Famer, you know that's obviously a positive, but it can't be a positive because you want it to be negative. Oh my God, it's just and that show, uh, Michael Holly, you've fallen very far, and, and and to just to just I'm I'm really disappointed in you. It, it's just it's so sad. These all all these people who who what again? I said this last week. Who watches this? And intently and is ready to see. I want. I, I can't wait to watch BST Boston Sports Takes tonight. Whatever the hell that show's called. It's. I mean, my favorite part of it is that Belichick made the comments about booty being explosive, and so very <laughs> ironically, Bedard tried to beat the booty, and Belichick beat Bedard's booty as a result. And I love it. Um, but it's at the. You know, it's fine if. Booty is the sixth wide receiver. I don't think anybody's or like, this is what the Boston sports media does. So I think we'd all agree that if you're rostering the wide receivers and you're like listing them on the depth chart, Booty is probably the sixth guy. Like that's, that's a fair point. But if you just said like, Oh, you know, I don't know that they're going to carry six guys. I don't know if he's shown enough yet to be that sixth guy, but you know, it, you know, we need to look at other positions and you start using it as a conversation about the roster building. That's an insightful conversation people could have. That's beyond Bedard's capability. That's beyond any of their capability there. Instead, it's this guy must suck because if he's sixth on the depth chart and we've said stink, stink, stunk, and we're all going to stand by that, then it must he must be putrid. And no matter who we compare him to, he could be the second incarnate of Randy Moss. But if we're going to say that he's sixth on this depth chart, then 
he sucks and blows and we can't have conversations about like just a good deep group of wide receivers. We're just going to talk about it as if sixth equals terrible and really fifth and fourth and probably third, second and first all mean terrible. It's um, very interesting that like uh, you made a lot of good points. It, it just because you're your sixth on the depth chart, doesn't inherently mean you're not any good and he was just compared to Chris Carter and that's supposed to be a slant obviously but I don't know how uh, but I, I remember uh, Zach me and I asked you about this early in August about Taquan Thornton and like oh I heard Taquan Thornton struggling what's your read on it because I value your opinion and you said Whatever's going to happen, happens, basically. But the Patriots have their top four. It's Bourne, Parker, and uh, Juju, and Hunter. So Taekwon can probably be a specialist. And that's probably going to be what Butte is. Butte is going to probably be a specialist. Maybe Douglas is going to be one because they have their top four and they feel comfortable with their top four. So it's just because you're not going to get the instant gratification that he's going to have this, like, monster first year I'm bummed he probably won't have that but I don't think that inherently means he's bad you know what I mean and I kind of look at this room this wide receiver room and I see a lot of fun guys that have high upside and I would be floored if we're looking at each other three months from now saying I can't believe all of them were bad it doesn't make it it doesn't seem like that's going to be the end here everyone looks very confident they look like they can, you know, catch. They can run. Uh, one of the things why Belichick picked Juju over Jacoby uh, Myers is because the Patriots desperately needed more speed after they caught the ball. Uh, Jacoby could catch it, but he couldn't really do much after that. He uh, would get tackled, and he's a nice wide receiver, but they needed speed, and Juju's just somebody that suits right off the gap. And that's probably why they got Kason Butte. Uh, Butte uh, Bu- sorry, Butte. I'm sorry. I keep getting the name wrong. I'm really bad at this. Uh, and the Mario Douglas. And uh, probably why they drafted Taquan Thornton. And, and, and hopefully, you know, he finds a, a niece for himself. Because I like him a lot. He's very fast. And he's uh, has. And I, I would love to see them run the jet sweep with him. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't see how Bedard can turn this uh, I know why he has to turn this into a negative because he has to he's he's gunning for a full-time job over there you know because I don't think this Boston Sports Journal is making a lot of money I believe that's why everybody from uh the Girardis and the Phil Perry's and the Bedards are always on there is that's the only source of income they can they can rely on you know, they don't there's not a lot of money to be made in sports journalism anymore. And I know this might be a little unrelated, but we talk about the Boston Globe, uh, you know, having no credibility. It does say a lot that, like, the New York Times recently got rid of their sports coverage. So it's like what's stopping uh, the Boston Globe from, or whoever bankrolls BSJ? Well, we don't, we don't we don't make money with this. What are we doing? Let's just get rid of it. So where are these guys going to go? They they have they go to Boston sports take bullshit take whatever the fuck, and they go there trying to get a job. 
because that's probably in their future. And I'm sorry for that little tangent. Uh, I'll, I'll yield. I'll yield the floor. No, no. I mean, I, I think basically, I mean, everything you said, I'm right there with you. I mean, it's just, just Bedard thinks that he's saying something insightful by saying that a sixth rounder may be the fifth or sixth receiver on a team. Like, wow, that's what, what, <laughs> like who, who could have thought that? I mean, that, that, that's some insightful journalism right there. It's like, I don't. And then, I mean, you know, I've, we all here chuckled when he said it saying, oh, you know, he hasn't. He's just not good, you know. I mean, what is he? He's just Chris Carter. He catches touchdowns and converts third downs. Oh, I'm sorry. I think um, who needs that? Jacoby, <laughs> yeah, Jacoby Myers just got a contract after uh, out of converting third downs. I'm pretty sure Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, they all made a career out of just, just, just in air quotes converting third downs. Like I don't. It's just weird. You have to like like we've all said at one point. It's just they have to try to spin it in this negative light because deep down they have such a hatred for Belichick that they can't even give him props without having to be like a backhanded compliment. You know, we're now, now that Taekwon Thornton's hurt, it's all, oh, well, he should be here because he's quick and he's good. I want him on the team, but when he's healthy, it's, oh, he's got tiny wrists and he shouldn't be, you know, playing because he doesn't really show any flashes. It's like, there's never any good. It's always doom and gloom with like, one small ray of sunshine. It's just cool. If if Kayshawn Booty is the sixth wide receiver, awesome. Great. I don't everybody's making a big deal out of them carrying six receivers. I don't think it's that crazy. I mean, just have him on the team. He's proven it. I think all six of the guys have proven it. But all that matters is that you have your top three. This reminds me of the first conversation we had today where we're arguing about a backup quarterback. We're debating about a fifth and sixth depth chart receiver. Like, it's not the end of the world, guys. It's not the end of the world. I don't know. I like Kayshawn Booty. I want that on the record, by the way. I like him. I think I think he's going to be good this year, hopefully. It's funny how we go from last year, and I did like all the points you said, where you said it's not bad at they're carrying six players at the wide receiver position. And I agree. And I think, like, it's funny how we go from last year where we go, like, who are your weapons? Who are your who's your number one and all that bullshit? And now and now you go, why are you carrying so many wide receivers? What are you doing? Do you know any? It's maybe they like them. Maybe they, they they're optimistic and they go, well, we should probably. Maybe we should try not to jettison one of them to the taxi squad because they all could help us in one way or another. And by the way, the, the people talk about the Patriots drafting as if it's easy like they've drafted a lot of good players like it's funny how like we get bad uh grades for drafting but like 2022 i understand it wasn't a banner year for us but like all of the players most of the players we drafted i could point to and say oh they helped us win at least one game they helped us at least win one game you look at bailey zappi you look at pierre strong uh kevin harris even and then Taquan Thorne had his little moments, full strains, obviously. And it's just from like top to bottom, these guys at least helped us win. And so, like, I think what we're seeing is it, at least these are good problems to have. Where you don't have a dearth of talent, you have maybe a surplus. And I understand that the schedule is very tough this year. I understand that, you know, we have, we don't have, you know, the immortal Brady as quarterback anymore and that expectations need to be lowered. 
but just because, you know, we don't, we were not going to glide to 12 and four every year doesn't mean that uh, there's no reason to be optimistic and to look at it and go, I think this offense is going to flow very smoothly. I think everything's going to run in order. I think we're going to have better communication. We're going to have a bet. We're going to have better uh, blocking. We're going to have better. Uh, I hate saying play calling because it sounds like people just say run the play that scores us points. And it's, I, I, but what I mean by play calling is, you know, we're going to have probably better situational calls, maybe not so much relying on the bubble screens. And I think we're going to have a lot more fun this year. You could read, see it on their face. Everyone's happier. That can't be nothing. I don't think anybody was happy last year on offense. I don't remember Mac Jones smiling. I don't remember Devontae Parker saying, uh, 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 being this daddy with the media. And it's all in good fun. They're not like what I would do, which is like scream at them like a slobbering psychopath and saying, Chris Gasper, fuck you. You you give me serial killer vibes. You know, Mark Dondero, shake your head a little less. No, shake your head more. But... It, it, they're having fun. They're going back and forth. It doesn't breed insecurity. It breeds confidence. And like we're better than what you people would say we are. It would have. I would have been understanding if they said, "Ooh, insecurity." If they, if Devontae Parker pointed at something, it would have been funny. He pointed to Ben Bolin and said, "Hey, uh, I'm sorry about that DM I gave you about Mac Jones. My bad." Uh, but that would have been funny. But I would have understood it. Like, oh yeah. See, you're you're a little too much, Mister Parker. You shouldn't do that. Uh, but I'm I don't get it. Uh, he might only be Chris Carter. Keep going back. What the Philadelphia Chris Carter? Uh, what well, what are we talking about here? I, well, listen, we need touchdowns. We need better red I'll zone. I'll take players. either or. <laughs> <laughs> he looked cooler as an eagle. He did look cooler. But that's true. I like those jerseys. I yeah. Uh, now I have to eat the Eagles because they stole a Super Bowl from me. But. Randall Cunningham is one of my favorite running backs. And I have an affinity for fat, curmudgeon old men like Buddy Ryan, who are just like, yeah, I, I, I pay people to hurt players. Well, what of it? <laughs> <laughs> That's so terrible. I understand. We just had Bounty Gate with the Saints. I understand. I'm sorry. I know that's mean. It's just funny. <laughs> an old man. <laughs> uh, but. Yeah, it's weird. It, it, but, 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 but. We had a lot of problems in the red zone this year. We couldn't communicate. We couldn't do much of anything because just everything was off and everything seems a little better. And I think the Patriots won't be a 20 to 20 yard line team. They will be, they will be able to get to their bread and butter with Ezekiel Elliott in the red zone, who is a much better red zone um, back than Damian Harris. And, I do believe that they'll everything will just go smoother. Now, hopefully the offensive line stays healthy. And, and that's the story, like I said, of every team. Like, yeah, I don't like uh, Stuber, but no other team has a backup tackle or guard that's just like, oh, I feel so secure if something happens and he's in. I'm going to yield the floor again. <laughs> Vinny, you got these tangents, man. I mean, your brain is like going a oh, hundred miles an hour. But um, the the last thing I wanted to talk about with you guys about, and we'll talk about roster construction next week because I think then we'll have a better idea. Because you know, it, doing research is actually a good thing. You know, along unlike these media members who 
you know, fly off the seat of their pants. I think it's better to have more information on things before you talk about them. You know, a novel concept, I know. But uh, the last thing I want to talk about is now that we've talked about NBC Takes Boston and how terrible they are, but and WEI got a little bit of love, of love too, but also the the broadcast, the the preseason broadcast, it's 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 has the regular guys Bob Solskjaer and Scott Zolak who call the radio games. Um, God, it's it's terrible. I I, I just can't. And one of uh, an example of this is this clip from um, Ronnie Perkins who uh, puked on the field, and you got the TV crew laughing about it. The temperature is. 103 degrees on the field. I think it's a little bit inappropriate. Listen, listen to this. They may face the same situation with him banged up, but that's the thing. By 4 p.m. on Tuesday. Yeah. So it and he still got up and made the tackle. So it, it's it's almost it's it's so unprofessional that the, the it's not so it's not just the uh, print side. It's not just the television side. It's the entire. It's the entire all-encompassing media that's just absolutely terrible and irredeemable. Yeah, yeah, it's My- it's 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 coming from everywhere. I mean, Zolak is on ninety-eight-five, so he's just bringing that mentality to the broadcast. Oh, I thought you were which- going to say he was on cocaine. Which I mean, well, I mean, I don't. That, that doesn't even need to be said, does it? I'm pretty sure we all know. We all can see it. Yes. Um, yes. But it's just, and and let me just get this out of the way. I am Ronnie Perkins' number one fan. You will not find someone high. I have him. He's coming back. Defensive player of the year this year. Let's go. Um, but it. obviously, I, I say it in just a little bit, but I do actually like him. I hope he can show up. <laughs> at least make the team. Just give me that. Make the team. But, um, yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, you look at it. You see him throw up on the field. It's like, ah, you know, it's it's easy to sit there and, and you know, laugh about, oh, you know, he's a fringe player throwing up on the field. Can't, you know, is he going to make it? We'll see what happens, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, you know. For for a player to do that on the field, obviously something's got to be going on. Like you said, it's hot. They were talking about it because I believe it's a new turf now that um, that Tennessee has. So it's a little bit quicker. It's a little bit hotter there as well. So, I mean, it's something that, you know, you can, if you want to chuckle about it, laugh about it, make your jokes or whatever, do it off air. Do it on the commercial break or something. Kind of talk about it and be like very simple. Be like, oh, it looks like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Perkins there. It looks like he kind of threw up a little, but hey, he's still made the tackle. Hopefully that helps him get on the, uh, you know, get on the 53 man roster, then move on. Like, it's just every, like we keep saying every single comment about this team, you're either, it's a negative thing. You're making fun of a player or a coach or a decision or something. It's just, there's, there's no constructive criticism or even constructive compliments anymore. It's just, everything is meant to bring everybody down and it's i don't want to have to watch these games on mute but i mean if i it's getting to the point where i'd almost rather listen to tony romo than listen to scott oh gosh i know i know i can't believe i said but (laughs) that's where we're almost at but either way regardless when it's all said and done ronnie perkins he's building the hall of fame career starting this year mark my words do you you really like Ronnie Perkins? I, I never got a read on him. You like him like you think he'll be a starter or he'll contribute or so it it, it kind of started where he got drafted. I kind of saw people talking about him. So I looked up some of his uh, you know, I didn't do any, you know, research. I'm not a I'm not a actual, you know, big J journalist, but I did, you know, YouTube clips, kind of looked up seeing what people were saying. I just kinda I 
I got enamored by his potential and I pushed so hard for him the first year that when he got injured, I kind of just kept going with it. And, you know, when I say that I love him, I'm his favorite fan. Some of it is said, like I said, in jest, but I do genuinely think that he can produce if he stays on the field. I mean, you saw in the sack that he had, he got good push spun off the, uh, off the block and then made the tackle. I mean, granted, he's not going against full fledged starters, but still, I think he has a place on the team. Um, and I mean, it, it, it's, it'd be a nice story. Someone who first year hurt, second year hurt. He comes back, makes the roster kind of, this would be the year for him to come into with, you know, they're going to have a lot of rotation in, you know, the front seven. So I think Perkins can step up and, and be a part of that. So that's, that's where I'm at with him. When I say he's going to be a hall of famer. Oh, I'm not holding you. Take that, that for what it is. Although if it happens, I might put a bet on it, just a very small bet. I, and I don't even bet, but I might just do it. And then when he eventually <laughs> makes the hall of fame, I win like $3 million, but yeah, I like him though. I like him. I, th- I think he'll be good if he can stay healthy. I, I hope he stays healthy. I, I um, last preseason, I saw him and I liked him and I was kind of bummed that he was on the practice squad. And I guess like the running theme, like that, that explains my philosophy, my view on preseason is, if you see somebody play good in the preseason, you're better off betting that they're going to get a practice demoted the next day as opposed to promoted because what you're seeing is not what they saw every day in training camp. Um, you know, poor Ronnie Perkins, and I don't mean that as a joke. You know, like it's not fun to be all in pads, and I don't think those that uniform fabric is very receptive to heat, and it's 95 degrees in Tennessee. And you're sick. And, oh, that poor guy who got tackled, too, that's probably a very scary image of this guy drenched in his own, you know, barf running at you. Like, that's not a, that's not a fun image. And I'm sorry. I know that's not fun to say. I do. It, it's football. Like, this poor bastard, Ronnie Perkins, is so, like, I, I did think for a second, like, oh, they probably should get him off the field because these guys are, this isn't fun. They're going to get heat stroke. And I know that's a buzzkill comment to make, but everything about Scott Zolak kind of screams unprofessional, you know, and a pivot a bit, like he, he steps on calls. He steps on calls with that loud, gravely, gra- grovelly, overbearing voice, you know, like, uh, and, and it's, 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 it ruins call. Like, remember when Gronk caught that touchdown in Super Bowl 49 over, what was it, KJ Wright? You're saying a six foot, six foot tight end on a six, uh, a six two linebacker all day. You're like, oh, shut up. It's like, um, and I'm just saying, God, Gil Santos would have been so much better. Gil Santos. Gil Santos. Like, I understand, like, uh, the Red Sox radio guy, Joe Cicliano, is like, you feel like you're being white noise to sleep. A sling and a pop up by Millar. Down to the line, he's out. Red Sox lose. Like I was like, at least he's not stepping over the call. He's letting the game happen. You're not. You're not the story. You are not. You are the narrator. So when Marcus Jones is running into the end zone against the Jets, don't say, "Ah, uh, now they're warming up the buses." Shut up. Just, just let the play. Whatever happens. Yeah, that to, line's annoying. Oh, I want to kill myself. But well, I want to kill myself anyway, but he doesn't help. Uh, but it, it's hard because whatever happened to being quiet 
and just narrating. Whatever happened to Kurt Gowdy? It was Kurt Gowdy who said when Yaz got his 3,000 pips. Let and the now moments just, happen. Let them happen. Dick Enberg, I understand maybe you guys don't like him, but at least he let the moments happen. Pat Summerall, I understand when he was at the end, uh, as Iron had said, it is a weekend at Bernie situation, but he let the moments happen. John Elway wasn't talking. I'm John Elway. John Madden wasn't talking about the turducken when uh, Brady was driving down the field in Super Bowl 36 or uh, when Santonio Holmes caught the touchdown in Super Bowl 43. He was letting the games happen. He was very uh, professional. And, like, even the best guys that I have to name for this job, like Chris Collinsworth is one that gets a lot of praise. Even he steps on moments. He stepped on the moment when Brady's making the comeback. Like, And I looked into his eyes, Tom, and tell me he had nothing to do with deflating those footballs. Like, my team's down 10 points in the Super Bowl. I don't want to hear about this right now. Why did you save this until the end? And then, uh, you know, Tony Romo is obviously, like, Hawks. Exponential, uh, like that's constantly, but I'll be nice to Tony, and I understand that's not a good thing to say because I, I don't, Tony's overbearing too, but at least I could tell there's love there. There's an interest. There's, and I don't feel love for of the game with Scott Zolak. I just, it's just uh, overbearing. His, the worst, I'll never forgive him after that, after the Malcolm Butler interception, Super Bowl 49, where he's like, I can't believe the call! I can't believe the call! Like, you're supposed to be celebrating, and you're saying, I can't believe the call! I can't believe the call! Yeah. Uh, Gino, I, I know score. Gino would not be celebrating, he would be celebrating and not talking. Oh, I, I understand, like, I was way too young for Super Bowl 36. I was, what, five? So I get it, but when I go back to that, when I watch those, listen to those clips, the joy that's in their voices and Dino Capoletti yeah. just laughing, and not laughing like, "Oh, I hate the, I I, I hate the Rams, haha, they're losers." Uh, it's more of it's disbelief. Uh, it's like, it's, wow, I can't believe that happened. I, I can't believe we did it. And like uh, Don Capoletti, yeah. like I I played for this team when they were in the AFL. I I've been playing. I've been watching any quarterback. I watched Butch Songin and, and Bay Pirelli, and and now I get to see this kid Tom Brady win it all. Like, oh my God, my life is complete, and and it's beautiful. And and we don't have moments like that now. Everything is, and and I'm guilty of this too. Everything is out of spite. Everything's more for spite than it is for love. And so, like, if the Patriots win the Super Bowl again, if we're fortunate enough to climb that mountaintop one more time. It's going to be out of, we're going to, I'm going to be guilty of this. I'm going to say like, oh, you know, I, I told you it's not to stop doubting. I told this person and that person, it's not going to be, I'm just so happy to bask in this one more time. And that's the media landscape we're in now. It's harder to ignore these people. 15 years ago, you could ignore Scott Zolak, but now they're yeah, everywhere. There, yeah, there was, there was no X, there was no YouTube, there was no any of that stuff to where you're exposed to their, their noise every single day. So and they're yeah, acolytes. Mike. They're wannabes. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, no, it's it's I agree with everything you guys are saying. It's just there's no it's you're just trying to trying to get the 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 sound bite out there, you know. Like I'm a I'm a uh, I'm a professional wrestling fan and and the one thing about that is when things are happening, 
the announcers always just like let it let it breathe. I know it's all script, so obviously they're supposed to. They know it's coming, but that that's how it should be. You know, when someone someone wins a championship, someone does something, someone big wrestler returns, something like that. The announcers aren't sitting there talking, saying this stuff like, oh, my God, what's these? Blah, blah, blah. They let it breathe. They let the moment breathe. When a fan favorite wins the title, there's confetti. Everybody's going crazy. You don't hear, you know, Michael Cole, who's one of the announcers for WWE, sitting there going, oh, you know, I can't believe. Blah, blah, blah. Nope. They, they let they let it happen. They'll say what happened and then they just sit back. That's how it should be. That's what that's what the people like Scott Zola need to understand because he, he talks on radio for three hours a day, so he likes to hear his own voice, which is fine. I think we all like to hear our own voice to a certain extent, but there's certain times where you got to be professional. Just let the moment breathe. So that's I a thousand percent agree with you guys on that. One. Yeah, I, I, wrestling is a good comp. I think like old and wrestling. Old. Oh, good old JR. Oh, what a call. What a call. Oh. Well, I oh, JR is good because JR wasn't going, oh, by God, by God, all the time. Like, no, he was, he had his foibles where, like, if you played football in the South, he he wouldn't stop talking about it. Oh, Ron Simmons, he played for the Oklahoma Sooners, and he just would keep talking about it over and over again. But, like, it, it, I love that they are for doing that. Like, the flaws that announcers used to have, were so were more so they were fun they were affable uh now they're just overbearing and now they say the catchphrases like you brought up michael cole the wwe universe and all these people like that but like it, it, they used to uh, bobby heenan was the best where like uh oh and uh randy savage and uh elizabeth they reconciled oh they always loved their brain he always did it's like i think i'm gonna throw up but that was funny. That's clever. <laughs> That's nobody does that. Nobody has a joke anymore. Um, uh, there's a clip of Ken Coleman who used to call the Red Sox games on the radio, uh, saying like, uh, "That umpire over there, he's in lo- he's uh, locked in a custody battle with his wife, uh, and uh, that addict, and he's been drinking a little bit, uh, and that explains why he's missing those calls." That they used to be funnier. They used to be so mean, but. Funny. Now they're just mean to be mean. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm going it's sad. It's it, it's all right. It, that's why I always have I have these guys on mute now. I don't watch games with with the uh, television uh, calls on. I just I I don't even turn on the radio. I just watch it on mute. I, I know I'm a crazy person and that's fine, but I, I, I can't too. listen to it because if I listen if I listen to it, it'll just make me mad. So I just watch the game. With my door closed, nobody's bothering me. I don't go to a bar. I don't do any of that stuff. So yeah, I'm a weirdo. Same. So it'll just it'll just be that way. <laughs> um, I, I do it too. But, yeah. So okay, good. That's glad to know I'm not alone on that. So that'll do it for us. Um, we have a lot to talk about next week because uh, as of right now, I'm looking at uh, X right now and seeing guys getting waived from the Patriots. So we're gonna have a lot to talk about for the 53 man roster that will come out i don't think i think it's next week but if it's not then it'll probably the following week but we'll talk about it regardless uh, but until then um we'll, we'll ha- we have another email that i'm couching for next week too so until then you can tweet us or x us or do whatever at <laughs> entitled weekend um or entitled weekend at gmail.com um i'm at atomic dog 5150 bill is at the fib 0624 Mike is at 
msully543. And what's your Twitter, Vinny? Oh, well, he's on mute. But um, his, I, yeah, I got it. His Twitter is Sailboat Studios. So I might manage to find that. So yeah, until sorry about next, that. I was on mute. Yeah, it's okay. I, I managed to find it while you were in that, where you were in that uh, mute hole. Um, so until next time, uh, don't be a Bedard.